Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Let me read, let me read you something. All right. Y'all listening? Philippians 2:5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Ephesians, uh, I mean Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Jesus Christ was willing to lay everything aside to be obedient to the Father. And what more can we do than to give God glory by being that obedient in our lives this, this coming year, this first Sunday in 2024. Amen. To God be the glory for everything that's done. For everything that's done and everything we attempt. To him be the glory. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing this song, all right? Christ our glory. Trouble 
good to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us, my name's Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Airline, and we're so excited to see you. And I want to hear, I want to say to you, Happy New Year. Amen. How many of you have Christmas decorations already down? There we go. How many of you are just riding it out till next Christmas? Hey, there we go. Awesome. Again, it's so good to see you. Um, if you're visiting with us, we'd love to connect with you. There should be a connection card somewhere in the seat back around you. Um, we have a gift for you for taking time to be here in worship together today. Or if you just have a prayer need or a prayer concern, love to pray over that. And so you can find those cards. You can drop in the offered plate or come find me after worship um, and love to connect with you. At this time, we're going to move into our time of tithes and offerings as we continue in worship. And again, we say this every week, this is an act of worship. We do not give so that we can build the name of airline. We do not give so that the community knows the name of airline. We give because we have a great commission. We give so that people will know the name of Christ. That is why we give. And so let's pray together and let's continue in worship. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, we give you this time. We know we come together and God, we have things that are going on outside of this building. But God, help our hearts and our minds be attuned to you. God, to give you the praise that you're due as we start this new year. And so God, would you take this offering, would you use it, would you multiply it for your glory and for your honor? We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. Again, good morning, and so glad to see you. Thank you, Mike and the band, for leading us in worship this morning. And so as you, we talked a little bit last week, my, my aim last week was that you would begin to catch a vision for what God can do in your life as an individual in 2024. My aim this morning is to broaden that scope. And to begin to discuss what does God have for Airline Baptist Church in 2024. Now, I'll be the first to admit this morning it's probably going to look a little bit different if you're visiting with us. I, I typically preach expository messages where we just start at the beginning of a book and kind of work our way through until we get to the end of the book. But I believe it's important for us to occasionally pause and to preach about something like this. What is our vision? What is our mission? What are, what are our core values and what are our strategies to accomplish those things? So why do we need this? I'll never forget when I was in college, I was a Spanish major, believe it or not. Now, don't ask me to sprechen the Espanol this morning. That was German. Um, but my senior year, we had to go on a study abroad trip. And so we had to spend two weeks in an immersive learning experience. And so me and a, a group of, it was probably 12 to 15 of us, we, we went down to San Jose, Costa Rica. And basically, when I say it was immersive, we stayed, uh, me and one other guy, we stayed at a host home, and we were responsible for navigating public transportation, getting to the school, getting back from the school, going out to eat, ordering our food. Like, we had zero help. It was immersive. And so our first night there in the city... We go to school and we, me and about three other students, we decided we were gonna go out to eat after class. And so we went to the immersive international cuisine known as Pizza Hut. 
It's the only thing we could recognize in San Jose, Costa Rica. So we ate at Pizza Hut and we finished and we saw a bus that had the name of the area we were going. So we go and we hop on that bus, we pay, we, we go and we're just having a jolly good time cracking up and talking about how much we're enjoying the cultural experience. Well, about 15 to 20 minutes in the bus ride, we realized something's not quite right. Because we're starting to get out of the city. We're starting to go up a hill that had goats walking up beside it and it was made of dirt. And what we didn't realize was the area that we thought was our neighborhood actually was almost like, the slice, like a slice of a pie that extended up into the rural region above San Jose. We didn't realize that. And after about another 15 to 20 minutes, we realized we didn't want to be there, that we had made a grave mistake. And so the person in the group that spoke the best Spanish went up to the bus driver and kind of piecemealed a conversation to where he said, yeah, y'all are in the wrong bus. He said, I'll take you back as close as I can get you to where I picked you up, but I can't take you back there. And so by this point, it's about 9, 10 o'clock. And so he drops us off. So me and three other white American college students are dropped off in the middle of San Jose to try to navigate our way back to our host homes. And by the grace of God, I still don't know how it happened, Kirk. We made it back. No self, we were, we were road scholars, Clint. We left our cell phones at the host home. Somehow, by the grace of God, we navigated our way back. And even talking to some of the locals, they were like, I don't know how you made it out of there alive that night. But I got to thinking about that. That, Mike, it's, it's dangerous to not know where you're going. But I would argue it's more dangerous to not know where you're going when you think that you do. You see, how oftentimes in church life do we think that we know where we're going, but not actually know where we're going? Because we, we all know why we exist, right? We, we know the Great Commission. We know why churches exist, but not actually know why we exist. You see, had we not known where we were going, we would have never got on that bus. We would have paused and said, hey, let's reconsider this. Are we sure this is the right bus? But we were convinced it was the right bus until we got too far down the road to turn back. You see, I'm no church historian, nor do I play one on TV. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express one time. But I would argue that there was a shift in how the church operated in the 19th and 20th centuries. And that shift became an emphasis on getting people that were out there in here. And so preaching and services became geared towards those who were out there in hopes to get them in here. Instead of saying, how do we get those that are in here out there? And so my aim as a pastor 
is to give you the tools and the abilities to go out there. And quite frankly, just to put this in layman's terms, I believe that this is a church that is unleashed. My aim as your pastor is to not be the professional gospel teller in your life, but to be the one who gives you the tools to proclaim the gospel in your life. So that you are a believer who is unleashed to take the gospel to your home, to your work, to the places where you spend time. And that I believe this was the model of the early church. That Nelson, the model of the early church was under persecution. So it wasn't, let's see who we can bring out here, but we need to send people out. So Nelson, if you were a merchant, you would go to your day-to-day job and you would go to the marketplace and you would sell things. But as you were selling things, you were proclaiming the gospel to the other merchants and those who were coming in, going. And that the ones that the gospel caught, you would then bring back to the house church. That that was the rhythm and the flow of the church. And so hear me this morning. My aim as a pastor is not to go back to ministry methods from 20 years ago. That's far too recent. I want to go back to ministry methods from 2000 years ago. Where the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was unleashed to flip the world upside down. That's what the church is about. And so as we dive into this this morning, I'm just going to give a quick plug because we're going to be moving fast, covering a lot of ground. Uh, this week we start our midweek equip class. And fortunate enough, our midweek equip class for the adults is going to be called our airline DNA class, where we're going to work through these on a much slower pace and look at each of these things at a week-by-week basis. So I encourage you to come be a part of that class starting this Wednesday, dinner at 5.30, classes start at 6.30, children, youth, preschool, all start at 6.15. So I encourage you to come be a part of that. And so let's get started. What is our mission? What is our mission? So right off the bat, Our mission seeks to answer the question, why we exist? Why is there an airline Baptist church? Why is there a church that's placed atop this hill? Is it because someone looked at this hill one day and said, this hill would be pretty with a church on top of it? No. Even though this church is, this hill is pretty with a church on top of it. Don't get me wrong. Was it because someone looked back there and said, this hill needs a church? No. Why do we exist point blank to make disciples of Northeast Georgia? This is why we exist. This is our sole purpose in existence. This is it. So where where does that come from? Acts 1.8 
says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. As Christ commissions his disciples, his expectation was that the gospel would be proclaimed and presented starting in their own backyard. And what is our backyard? It's northeast Georgia. You've heard it said before, we, we are far more than just a East Hall community church. I firmly believe God in his wisdom, he placed this church here knowing how accessible this church would be and the reach that this church can have. Like as it stands today, we, we have folks here in Hall County, but we also have folks who come from Banks County and from Habersham County, that we are accessible and we have reach. And so it begins in our own backyard. But the expectation was that as the gospel is proclaimed in one's backyard, that the, the reach would expand. But hear me, the reach does not expand until the backyard is reached. That God's placed us here for a purpose to make disciples. And that as we make disciples in our own backyard, we will begin to make disciples throughout Georgia. And we will begin to make disciples throughout the United States of America. And we will begin to make disciples to the ends of the earth. But it begins with a commitment to make disciples in the context in which God has placed us. This is why we exist. This is our mission. But then second comes our vision. And our vision seeks to answer the question, how do we plan to accomplish the mission? So mission comes first. This is why we exist. And then below mission is our vision. So we understand why we exist and the purpose behind our existence. So how do we as a church believe God has led us to accomplish the mission? And this language precedes me, but I love the language that's used here at Airline. How do we plan to accomplish the mission? By being a Christ-driven, community-focused church. How do we make disciples in Northeast Georgia? By being a Christ-driven, community-focused church. So let's talk about this. What does this mean? First, let's talk about christ Driven. What does it mean to be Christ-driven? We read this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean to be Christ-driven? Exactly as Paul says, that I have been crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live is not lived in my own strength. It is not lived in my own power. It is not lived in my own intellect. 
but it's lived through the power of the one who laid his life down for me. It's lived in the power of the one who conquered the grave for me. You see, the mission's far too great. If I could accomplish the mission in my own strength, in my own power, in my own intellect, it's far too small. You see, I'm not physically capable of it. Church, if you are relying upon me to make disciples of Northeast Georgia, we will fail. If you're relying on your staff, your deacons to make disciples of Northeast Georgia in and of themselves, we will fail. But the good thing is, we're not relying on those things. We're relying upon the king who conquered the grave. That is how we make disciples of Northeast Georgia. And if our eyes stay fixed on that king, we can make disciples of Northeast Georgia. But if our eyes begin to drift, if we forget why we exist, if we forget where we're going, if we forget where we're, what we're supposed to be about, we're going to fail to make disciples. And so that's point one. We are Christ-driven but then second, we are community-focused. Community-focused. Romans 10, 13 and 14 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great promise. I just want to pause and say this. It, Paul does not say for everyone who you effectively share the gospel with will be saved. For everyone, if you share the right order of words, will be saved. No, it's if they call upon the name of the Lord. He says, how then, notice these questions. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? You see, we live in a community where there are men, women, boys, and girls who have not heard of Jesus. Who have not heard this gospel Sure, they may have heard of some good teacher named Jesus, or maybe they heard of some Jesus that they had some bad experiences with of people who claimed to be Christian. Maybe they've heard of that, but they have not heard the Jesus of the good news of the gospel. And so how will they hear if we do not tell them? See, being community-focused means that we understand there is a world around us that is broken in their sin, and their only hope is Christ. This quote is a hard quote, but it's a sobering quote. Charles Spurgeon said this, 
If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. Church, there's a community that is outside of these doors who are lost and separated from Christ. And if they go, let them not go thinking there was a church on the hill that was indifferent about them. Let them go not thinking there was a church on the hill that was more interested in the style of music and the color of the carpet and the temperature of the room. Don't let them go. But if they go, let them go with a pastor who pleaded with them. Let them go with a staff who gave everything for them. Let them go with deacons who laid their head at night and wept over them. Let them go with a church who had not forgotten about them. There is a community that needs the gospel and we have it. But will we be community focused? How do we accomplish the mission by being community focused? That if they go, they go over our dead bodies. So why do we exist? This is our mission to make disciples of Northeast Georgia. How do we plan to accomplish the mission? This is our vision by being a Christ-driven, community-focused church. But then third, we have our core values. Our core values are simply guiding principles that are formed by the mission and the vision. We're starting to get into practical things. How do we live out our vision? How do we live out our mission? By living out these practical core values. These core values are real worship, real relationships, real hospitality, and real commission. You notice that theme of real. I'm just going to be honest with you, church. We live in a culture that desperately desires authenticity. My generation and below desires authenticity. We don't know what's true anymore. We don't know. We turn on the news. What, what are they saying? What is true? Are they saying what is false? The church needs to be authentic in all that it does. The, the aim here is not to throw up a charade or to put on a mask to make people think that we're something that we are not. And so in all that we do, we want to be authentic. So let's look at these. What do we mean by real worship? I've kind of divided these into a couple of things, individually and corporately. When we say real worship, it means I seek to live a life that exalts Christ both corporately and individually. 
So as an individual member of Airline Baptist Church, my prayer is that it is your desire to live a life that exalts Christ, both corporately. So when we gather together, we want to corporately lift up Christ. Now that should be our intention every time we get together as a believer, to exalt Christ. But worship extends far beyond a song and far beyond an hour on Sunday morning. That we wanna exalt Christ during this time, but we also want to exalt Christ tomorrow morning on the commute to work. We also wanna live a life of worship at the job site. We also wanna live a life of worship when we get home in the evening and spend time as a family. We want to live a life of worship. So this is what we mean by real worship, that real worship is not showing up on Sunday to check a box off the list. To go, okay, I've got to go to church today because it's what I'm supposed to do. But then we genuinely want to exalt Christ. But then second, we, we seek to exalt Christ and all we do as a church body. This should be our aim, whether it is in here, whether it is in life group, whether it's in Wednesday night equipped classes, whether it's in deacons meeting, whether it's in business meeting, whatever it is, in everything that we do, we want to exalt Christ. So our question should be anytime we approach something, does this glorify Christ? And simply put, if the answer is no, we should not do that thing. That's what we mean by core values. So in everything that we do, we want to be real in our worship. That everything that we do exalts Christ. But then second are real relationships. What does this mean? I seek to live in community by allowing people to see the real me, not the preferred version of me. What does that mean? We all have the preferred version of ourselves. If you don't think you do, you have social media. Everybody sees the preferred version of you on social media, which may or may not actually be the real you. But church, we cannot live in community and support one another, encourage one another, if every time we step through the doors, we have to put on our church face. Every time we walk in here, we have to convince people that, that we are something that we actually aren't. One of the things that encouraged me a few months ago, I'm not gonna put him on the spot, I was, I was having a conversation before Wednesday night. I just said, hey, how's your week going? He looked at me and he goes, it's good. And he paused. He goes, I don't even know why I said that. It wasn't good. It was a terrible week. <laughs> it kind of, kind of talk, took me off guard for a second. But can I just be honest how refreshing that was to me? No, it wasn't refreshing. He had a terrible week. <laughs> but just that he surveyed the situation and said, I don't even know why I would lie about that. But it's been just so ingrained in us 
to convince other people that things are going well, even when they aren't going well. How do you grow in Christ? By being honest about where you actually are. You don't grow in Christ by convincing people that you're something that you're not. So what does this mean corporately? That we seek to place people in context where they can have relationships to grow in Christ. If we want to be real individually, our responsibility as a church, as leadership in the church, is we want to provide context where you can have those relationships where people will push you and pull you to grow in Christ, but love you in the midst of that. You can walk in and say, I'm not okay. And you're not going to have a group of people look at you and kick you out of the room. But we'll love you in the midst of that. We want to be real and authentic in our relationships. But number three, we want to practice real hospitality. We want to practice real hospitality. I seek to honor others over honoring myself. Instead of thinking about what's best for me, am I going to be recognized for this? Am I going to be applauded for this? I seek to honor others, to lift others up, to serve others. I love the language that Paul uses. He calls it outdoing one another in honor. It's like, Nelson, you're going to show me honor. I'm going to show you more honor. Like, what if that was the rhythm of the church where no one's going to out-honor me, but I'm going to outdo showing honor? That what if it was just common practice that Kirk and I get out of the car at the same time and we make eye contact and all of a sudden in the background, chariots of fire begins playing and we both take off in a dead sprint to see who gets to open the door for the other person. That's probably not actually going to happen in real life. But, but what if that was our mindset? That I want to outdo showing you honor. I want to outserve you. Before you ever think about serving me, I'm going to serve you first. Before you ever think about honoring me, I'm going to honor you first. What if this was our mindset? And how we approached one another. But then this also means as a church, we seek to honor positions that are often overlooked. And can I just confess this morning, I've done a crummy job of this. We have people who serve in this church who don't get the recognition and thanks that they do. We have folks that serve in our children's ministry and our preschool ministry that do a fantastic job. And I don't recognize them like I should. We have folks that love being outside when it's cold and rainy and opening doors and being a smiling face as you walk in. I want to show them honor, to lift them up. See, it's easy to look at the stage and be like, we want to lift those positions up. But what about all of the positions that make this possible? 
See, there's a lot more that goes into a Sunday morning than what's up here. And we want to honor those. So we will be a church that practices real hospitality. That serve not so that you owe me one or have a false pretense, but because I want to do what Paul talks about and outdo showing honor. But then lastly, real commission. I seek to live out the great commission in my daily life that I am actively engaged in what Christ has called us to do. But then as a church, we evaluate every decision through the lens of the Great Commission. Every decision we should make as a church should be filtered through the lens of does this help us make disciples or does this hinder us from making disciples? So these are the core values that we want to practice as a church. And I've got to keep moving. So then lastly, we have our strategy, our strategy. This is boots on the ground. This is, as Clint likes to call it, the play that we're running as a church. This play takes place in three pieces. First is find community, be the body, and then go make disciples. Step one, as soon as someone steps into the church, our goal for them is to find community. We want them to build relationships. We want them to find their tribe, to find people who will encourage and support them and walk alongside them. So the, sec the moment someone steps into Airline Baptist Church, we want them to find community, to build relationships. Then second, we want them to be the body. So this is church membership. It's finding their place in the body, finding how they can serve in the body of Christ here at Airline, but then also knowing their value in the body. That every single member of the body is valuable. That if a member of the body is hurting, we all hurt. If you don't think that's true, stub your pinky toe and eye on the bed frame. The rest of your body will hurt. So we move from finding community to being the body, but then lastly, to go make disciples. That we want to train and equip you to lead. Not just to serve, but to lead, to teach, and also to be sent. That's what we mean by go make disciples. Our strategy is our infrastructure to produce the vision. This is what the road looks like. These are what our goals are. And so these things, our mission, our vision, our core values, our strategy, these are the big picture things of where we want to go as a church. Before we wrap up, I want to give you some small picture things. What are our emphases for 2024? Three things, financial freedom, renewed discipleship, and staffing leadership. So what do we want to accomplish by God's grace and God's goodness in 2024? 
First is financial freedom. You've heard me talk a little bit about this a couple months ago. We've assembled a team that consists of some folks from the finance team, um, some deacons, and then just some lay leaders in the church to strategize and to pray and to communicate how we as a church can be financially free, as in paying off the debt of the building. And we're calling it financial freedom because that's our goal. If you look at our church finances, it's been tight this year to make things quite blunt. There's been some things we've had to pull back from doing just simply because we did not have the finances to do it. And as we looked at this year, we began to look at our budget and over 10% of our budget goes towards paying off the debt of the church. And so simply by being free from the debt of the church, we will be able to free up funds to better accomplish the mission and vision and purpose of Airline Baptist Church. And so as it stands right now, I didn't get the exact numbers. I hope to have the exact numbers next week. But we're sitting somewhere in the mid-120s on the building to have it paid off. And our goal is to have the church paid off by August. Well, why August? What's the big deal about August? In August, we'll be getting more details out as we get closer. We as a church are going to be celebrating 150 years of existence. That God has faithfully provided for this church for 150 years. Mike's been here for all of it. And so we want to celebrate that. And what better way to celebrate 150 years of existence as being free? And so here's how we're going to do this. In the month of February, we're going to take time. Each Sunday, we're going to talk about this. We're going to pray about this. We're calling it Freedom February. And at the end of the month, we're going to have three options available. As you and your family talk about it, pray about it, you can give a one-time gift And say, hey, I believe God is leading us to give this. And you can give that one-time gift to go towards the freedom campaign. Option two is you may say God's leading us to give this, but we need to spread it out over monthly payments, whatever. And so you can give that way. Or option three is we looked at our budget and we believe we can give $100 extra a month over top of our normal tithes and offerings. And you can give that way, making a monthly pledge. But this is going to take all of us, church. This isn't a select few of just really wealthy folks. It's going to take all of us to do this. To give sacrificially over and above our normal giving. It's going to take all of us to be financially free. So that's... First emphasis. Second emphasis is renewed discipleship. We want to provide context for discipleship to flourish. Tomorrow night we're starting Iron Men back up. So I encourage you to come be a part of that. And we're looking and exploring some avenues of getting some women's small groups started that are off campus so that you can spend time together growing in discipleship. So we want to do that. And here's our goal at the end of 2024 is 200 in attendance between life groups and small groups. Life groups being the groups that meet here Sunday morning, small groups being groups that meet off campus throughout the week. 
is 200 in attendance between those. So renewed discipleship. But then lastly is staffing leadership. We recognize we need staff roles. We have positions that need to be filled. We see that and we recognize that. So we're trying to find the right people for the right places. So throughout the course of this year, our aim is to rework some staffing positions to bring some new folks in so that we can get up to full force of where we need to be to get where we need to go. So our aim is at the end of 2024, as we look back this time next year, prayerfully we'll see God pay this thing off. Prayerfully we'll see small groups started and we'll see life groups grow and new life groups start. And prayerfully we'll see more staff positions added and some new faces in leadership. But church, it's gonna require all of us. It's not just gonna require all of us. It's gonna require all of us to pray. You see, as the band comes back to the stage, the things that God is calling us to do are God-sized things. You see, we're not looking to do things that are explanatory in and of ourselves. You see, if our aim is to do something that when we look back and be like, Pastor Zach did that, that's too small of a target. If we aim to do something that we look back and we can say the staff accomplished that, it's too small of a target. My aim is to do things that we look back and say only God could have done that. And that's the course that we want to set out on, to live a life that looks back and says only God could do that. And so we want to pray for God to do God-sized things. So church, I know this was a lot of information this morning. I know we've gone a little bit over time. But here's what I want us to do as we prepare to close. I just want to call us to prayer this morning. I just want to call us to a time of corporate prayer. As I said, I know this looks a little bit different What happens if we as a church corporately prayed for God to do God-sized things? And we just waited and trusted God to do what only God can do. See, at the end of the day, I'm praying that God grows us. But I'm praying that God grows us, not so that we're known for our seating capacity, but we're known for our sending capacity.
I'm praying that God grows us so that we will disciple people and send them out. I'm praying that God grows us, not so that we fill pews, but that God would use us to fill pulpits. I'm praying God would grow us, not just so we have larger ministry numbers, that we have our own missionary network. I'm praying God would grow us. Not so that the name of airline is known, but that this church would be a beacon to the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So my question is, will you join me in praying to that end? Will you join me in praying over this mission, this vision, these core values and this strategy and these things that we're prayerfully looking forward to in 2024, will you join me in prayer? I don't want to put any pressure on you, but if you're willing just to come down to the altar and pray, or if you're more comfortable sitting in your pew to pray, you're more than welcome to sit there as well. But we're just going to have a time of prayer this morning, asking God to work. We're going to pray for just a few moments. I'm not going to put him on the spot, but I'm going to ask Clint after just a few moments just to lead us in prayer as we ask God to work in the life of Airline Baptist Church. God, as we um, continue to pray here at the altar, God, and even throughout this sanctuary, Lord, your sanctuary, God, we're thankful that you give us a, a mission and you give us a vision, God, that has came directly from your word. God, and we pray right now as we have been challenged corporately, God, that individually we take that challenge as well and God, we, we, we jump in line with, God, your call that you put on every believer's life. 
God, you've, you've called us to, to be a disciple of yours, God, and, and if we're a disciple of yours, there's no way we can't make disciples. God, that's the calling you've put on us. God, and you've given us the tools, God. I look around, uh, Lord, this, this church, this group of believers that you've called together, God, and there's many different talents. God, there's resources that, that, have, that are untapped. So God, I pray that together, collectively, we come together and we follow the lead, God, of you in the, the mission and the vision, Lord, that you've given our lead pastor. God, that it's, it's not about the staff here. God, let it never be about the staff. God, never let it be about deacons or, or people who may be in positions of leadership, but God, let it be about you. God, and my prayer is, is that these, these uh, goals, these expectations, God, that you've given us for this year, 2024, that God, we, God, we stay on our knees before you. We pray, we call out to you daily, God, hourly, that you help us be who you've called us to be. God, that we will intentionally go out with this influence that you've given us so that we can see an impact God, for your kingdom. God, I'm so thankful that, that we have an opportunity to just jump in line and do what you've called us to do. God, and I pray over this church. God, I pray over this community. God, I pray uh, over this, this region, this Northeast Georgia region, God, that, that we will be about what you've called us to be, God, that, that people will, will say, man, I, something's going on there, and I want to be a part of it. God, and what would be going on is that, that you are moving in a mighty way. God, my prayer for myself personally this year is, is Psalm 5110. God, create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, God. And that is what we're talking about here. God, that we would walk with you and see you do things that only a big God who does big things can do that we can't explain it in any other way but looking to you and seeing how you are moving in a mighty way. So God, I pray that over this church. God, I pray that over this group of believers that, that we are Christ-driven and community-focused, that we are authentic in our worship and our relationships, and, and God, that we will be real. God, as you are real to us. So God, give us, give us your touch. God, as we've already sang today and has been preached today, God, that your spirit move. And where your spirit is is where I want to be found. So God, I thank you in that. God, I love you. Be with us as we, we sing praises to you as we continue in worship. Love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
today. Amen. So thank you again so much for being here today. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, we looked a little bit different than usual. We typically don't go this late, um, but ho you're still out in time to get to lunch. And so um, still want to get you out in time for that. But thank you so much for being here. And uh, if you're visiting with us, they would love to connect with you back in the foyer, give you a gift. Thank you for being here. Um, and just as I said, this evening, um, exciting time come up. Our children are going to be presenting not, a not-so-silent night, and so I encourage you to come back and be a part of that. Um, even if you don't have kids or don't have grandchildren, um, what an exciting time to be able to just support and encourage our kids. Um, Ashley's done a fantastic job putting it together, um, so that's tonight at 5. Just encourage you to come back and be a part of that, and then as well, Wednesday nights, you're getting kicked back off this week, and so supper at 5.30. Preschool children, youth at 6.15, and then our midweek equip class for adults at 6.30. And so that's getting started back this week. You see a few other things in your bulletin, but we also have D-Now coming up, so I'm going to ask Taylor to share a little bit about that. And then once Taylor shares, we will be dismissed. You read my mind. On your way out in the back and on this side, the two main exits, there's a, there's a little flyer, same size as our bulletin. It's got the info about D-Now, about the things that we need. Church, y'all know what to do. Y'all always step up, always do what we need you to do. So just do it again, all right? Just keep doing what you've always done for us. Grab that, that sheet. It's got everything we need on it. Next week, there'll be boxes around the church. You'll just drop those donations in the box. And uh, we'll go from there. And there's also an opportunity for you to, to sponsor a student if you'd like to do that. Um, we, we certainly welcome that as well. I don't think I'm leaving anything out. My event coordinator is telling me something. Yes, QR code parents for you to sign up your, your student with or a student you can just take care of it on yourself. This, the dates are on there. They're good. They're good. Church, love y'all. Y'all have a good week. God bless.